Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about how creativity and technology drive standout customer engagement. Recently, Wark and Braze released a report entitled The Invisible Enabler, Unlocking the Creative Potential of Technology. We're going to talk about a few of the ideas in that white paper that covers why brands should audit their available tech and data, how they should prioritize creative investment in key areas of the omni-channel journey, and why it is advisable to put in place a first-party data strategy. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Mariam Asmar, VP Strategic Consulting at Braze. Mariam, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. Excited to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself and your role at Braze and uh, maybe a brief description of what Braze does for those that may not already be familiar. Yeah, happy to. So yeah, as you said, I'm Miriam. I've worked at Braze now for about a year and a half in our strategic consulting team, which includes kind of our creative strategy arm. We have a growth strategy arm as well as a business value team. So I look after all three. And prior to that, I actually spent most of my, my formidable years in advertising. Um, so I did about seven years at McCann World Group, was based in New York, Paris, and London, worked for a lot of the global brands like Nestle, L'Oreal, Coca-Cola, Perno Ricard. Um, so kind of creativity and tech and all of that coming together has always been a topic that I've been passionate about. I'm really excited to talk about that. And then, yeah, about Braze, a little bit about Braze um, in general for those people who don't know. It's a leading customer engagement platform that powers interactions between customers and the brands they love. And with Braze, global brands can ingest and process customer data in real time, you know, orchestrate and optimize all these relevant journeys across different channels and, and continuously involve their customer engagement strategies. Great, great. Well, looking forward to talking about this uh, this topic with you. So at the top of the show, I mentioned the report entitled The Invisible Enabler that Wark and Braze released a little while ago that covers five themes. And we're going to talk about three of those today. So let's let's start with the, the first, uh, this idea that data inspires the creative. So instead of constraining creativity, uh, how can data be used to actually generate more creative ideas? And just as importantly, more effective ideas? Yeah. So I would say right back in my advertising days, data was really just an input to the creative brief. And then the, mess the message kind of delivered back was one for the masses. But I think today, you know, people and customers have really kind of rejected that one size fits all message, right? People want to be treated like individuals and not like the masses. And so that's kind of challenging marketers to do a little bit more 
with the data that they are collecting. And what, you know, one of the things I always talk about is that to me, when I talk about data and, and, and kind of really hitting it, you know, hitting the mark, right. We always think we always talk about Spotify because in many ways, I think they created this category through the, the end of year wrapped campaign, right. Which was the first time that a brand really used individual insights to entertain mass audiences, right? And then provided this sort of really personalized individual experience via via its tech. And I think the success of that campaign, alongside the rising investment that you've seen in MarTech from a lot of marketers, is really, really pushing them to spread their wings and fly a little bit higher, right? Than just using data to say like, here's the next thing you should buy or the next offer that you should have. And so I think organizations, right, they're starting to get savvier with the data that they're capturing it and they're using it in a way that's enhancing the experience, a brand, an overarching brand experience and making a more valuable connection to its audience. And so I think kind of a lot, right, along all these advancements, it really is enable advertisers not to just to replace existing capabilities and do a little bit better, as I said, kind of with what the table stakes is, but really to unlock new ones with more creative applications than ever before, where brands can use their own or volunteer data combined with the perfect context, right? To create some very form or very human interaction with its customers. Yeah. Yeah. So there may be some creatives in the audience today listening to this that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they're skeptics of, of, you know, can data really achieve better ideas, better results, things like that. Can you share an example of uh, how this has been done effectively? data can always be used to make customers' lives better, right? So it's not even sometimes as much about the creative as it is about really doing things that connect with people. And that's what brands are always trying to do at the end of the day, right? It's, it's ultimately connect with um, its customers. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but I think the Spotify wrapped campaign, right, was obviously one of the first times that we really saw data used in that way. And they've kind of done a lot of iterations and versions of it since, which I think have proven to be incredibly creatively effective. But the campaign that I really thought was interesting recently was one done by Perno Ricard. And it was called The Time That We Have Left. And it was about understanding, there was kind of, I think it was an algorithm where you could kind of go in and put two people, I think it was like you put your age, there was a series of kind of data inputs. And when it gave you out was a, a number of the time that you actually had left before one of the two of you had was going to pass. And so it was a very, you know, it was using something as really functional as data, right, to, to really strike a strong emotional chord with so many people, right? That's like kind of thinking a little bit about your mortality. Yeah. And I think that also as a campaign was incredibly effective. But also, right, that was an example of you're using data, again, something so functional as data to, you know, bring people to tears in, in, in these ads and in these exchanges with each other. Yeah, well, um, so I think that's where you really see people and, and brands like really thinking bigger than I've ever seen brands thinking before. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. So the, the second theme from the report that I wanted to talk about today is referred to as the memorable middle and it discusses some of the importance of getting the online, offline, or omni-channel experience right. So first question here, you know, how should brands be thinking about mixing the physical and the digital and the purchase journey? And how do things like first-party data, omni-channel personalization, as well as others uh, play a role? Yeah, I think, you know, 
I think it's Google that has what's called the Hankins hexagon. And, you know, it really coined this term around the messy middle and that there are kind of like six stages and every industry and every vertical kind of has its own dominant path, but that really is the customer that chooses how they make their way in between touch points, you know, often like, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go deeper somewhere. And so I think what's interesting, right. And that, and that model, both in-person and digital experiences are really having to work together to kind of not hone, but sort of forge that path to purchase for the customer. And so, you know, a customer buying um, a car online might kind of search online, right. And then go in-store and then test drive it in-store, but then go back and buy it online, right? And so just being able to kind of accommodate those changes in behavior and and harnessing first-party data along the way is what is going to allow you to make sure that you're not creating any friction or any reason for the the customer to drop off when they pick up their journey at maybe a different point, for example. Yeah. And and one one point on this, because it's funny, right? When we wrote this report, it was really like online, offline and omni-channel. And then in, in recently in some of the meetings and things that I have, right, we're talking about it's beyond omni-channel, right? It's omniverse now. It's not just right. <laughs> the physical world and online, but you've got the metaverse and you've got AR and you've got Web3, right? And brands are, are thinking got even broader, right? Those are new touch points in the journey as everyone starts getting into commerce in those worlds too, So I think it's going to get even more complex and therefore, you know, more important for you to have tech that is, you know, not just fluid, but, you know, to your point, allowing you to capture inputs and things along the way that ultimately go back to sort of one singular customer view. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely agree. And yeah, I know it's just it. The, the channels or the channel switching, you know, it just keeps it keeps getting more and more complex here. What, What do you what do you rec- recommend as far as you know what should brands avoid when when thinking about mixing this you know omni channel we maybe we just call it omni from now on cuz it's you know I, I i like your comment about channels and verses and and all that kind of stuff but you know what what's something that that brands should avoid in in doing here you know i think i think the worst thing that brands do I, I think it's human inflicted in many ways. Like how do, how do you as, as an organization sometimes, right? We'll talk about this, I think even later, kind of get out of your own way. And I think yeah. what I see is a lot of different orgs sometimes don't bring all the right touch point or all the right people together because sometimes it's just simply organizational, right? Like we don't, yeah. we don't have the right teams, the right people. That's not how it works. And we don't do it that way. And, and so that's kind of one of the things that I, I think brands really, need to do is, yeah, kind of eliminate their rigid thinking around structures and teams and and swim lanes, right? And I think it's really about right now trying to bring different teams together, right? I think great innovation and creativity is often at the intersection of disciplines, right? And so how do you bring your digital team with your retail team, with your online team, with your social media team and your innovation team? and, And how do you start bringing some of those best minds to really think through and strategize you know, how do you include all the right touch points? What are the things not to include? Um, so just having like a coherent strategy that all teams work for work towards, I think is sometimes it sounds so basic, but it's actually one of the major things that I think trips brands up at times. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Basecamp. 
Throughout my career, whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant, Basecamp is what we rely on to help keep projects on track, on schedule, and on budget. It takes a straightforward approach to project management, it streamlines workflow management, and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which all are major components in a smooth running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. If you're struggling with projects, sign up for Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you all their features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com Agile, that's Basecamp.com A-G-I-L-E, and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel anytime. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to the show. Similar, similar to the last, uh, the last point. Can you share an example here of how this has been done effectively? You know, this this omni-channel experience. Yeah, I think the example that we talked about in Warp that I thought was just so different and interesting was around was Nike, and in China to launch, it was around the release of its fastest running shoe called I think it was like the Next Percentage. And what they did is they turned the speed into currency and gave only the fastest runners in China exclusive access to the shoe. So it was, they, I think they partnered with like the top four apps, released this, you know, found out who the fastest runners were from the top four apps, gave them access to the shoe and said, you're, you're going to basically like wear the shoe for the next two to three weeks. And those of you who like run the fastest can buy the shoe. Nice. And those of you that don't can't. And so this was right. This is not a journey that would work for everyone. Right. right. So I thought, number one, it was just really smart by understanding like what exactly the journey for this particularly niche super runner, super athlete audience was. And then how do you kind of tap into that to create FOMO and sort of exclusivity that and then with the result ultimately being that they could buy the shoe, I just kind of thought was funny in a way that I couldn't yeah, believe yeah. that. You know, people were running and it was, re- I mean, of course, it was more about fitness. It was endurance. It was all, it was about winning at the end of the day, right? Nike is, wasn't that the goddess of winning? So it, it, it lines yeah, up yeah. really nicely kind of in the brand. But then as a result, right, and seeing all these runners who have it creates a ton of buzz and then everyone wants it. And so that just in having that really unique model at the start and the launch of that campaign just unlocked so much kind of virality and buzz, I think later on. And that drove it to be ultimately very effective. Yeah. I love that. That's a great, great example there. So the, the last of the, the themes in the report I wanted to discuss today is what's referred to as collapsing the funnel in in the report uh, where brands are bringing together brand and performance to build stronger direct to consumer relationships. Can you talk a little bit about what exactly is meant by this term collapsing the funnel? Yeah, it's a great question. I love this topic, particularly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and sort of what what I kind of see, it's this is something that I've even witnessed from the advertising days, right? And you have brand teams are under a lot more pressure to prove the effectiveness of, of creativity and brand marketing, right? Sort of more of that like warm and fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. And then you've kind of got this side of like, CRM marketers who are facing, you know, increased competition from more competitors, sometimes not always a, a product that is so unique within the category. 
And they're finding it super hard to retain people and retain audiences. And so I feel right now like the two sides kind of need each other and need to come together because they both need wins. And yes, you need your customer engagement and kind of this always on strategy. But I think kind of gone are the days where you see the CRM team on one side and the brand team on the other, right? People more are trying to say, how do we kind of eliminate to the point we just talked about the journeys and the way it works, like any any piece of comms can spark purchase now, right? And lead right, to purchase, right. maybe is shoppable itself as a piece of contact. Yeah. And so, and so I kind of think that, again, people are having to get savvier about how do you use the power of the brand in a way that helps drive the bottom line in CRM kind of day to day. And then kind of from the brand side, it's how do you bring all this data and technology that the CRM teams are leveraging so that you can add some effectiveness and first party data onto the journey of your big idea, right? And kind of really trying to bring and merge those two together. And so that was a trend I kind I kind of saw this when I was in the advertising days. What was cool about the work report is that in its survey of about 1500 marketers worldwide, more than 60% of them said their team was being restructured in a way to build a closer relationship between brand marketing and, and, and CRM. And I think it was like, you know, some brands were creating new teams that brought e-com and brand together. Some were adding brands to the e-com teams. Some were e- adding e-com members to the brand teams. Yeah. Some were merging the team. And so it's kind of really interesting to see the different ways that organizations are executing this. And I think we're at the beginning of it and very curious to kind of see how that continues to evolve and some of the great creative work that might come out of it as a result. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I, I do think it's probably going to be very different depending on the the organizations. And I, you know, I think I think that goes back to, you know, I know my experience, you know, in even at my marketing agency, I, I owned a while ago, uh, you know, we built a lot of enterprise websites and things like that. And I always said, you know, a customer shouldn't have to understand the org chart in order to navigate a website similar to, you know, a customer shouldn't have to understand what the MarTech infrastructure is of a brand in order to engage and buy and, you know, move through the funnel or, or so on and so forth. So I, I think, I think it's interesting that, you know, there is this convergence and, you know, I, I think it's certainly a, a, a long time coming. Yep. Um, are there brands or, or industries that uh, you think are leading the way here? And, and you know, if so, can you share an example of, of maybe how they're doing this? Yeah. And just, you know, quickly, I completely agree with your point. And it's, it's, you know, customers shouldn't have to understand. Let's, I mean, let's be even blunt, right? They don't care, right? They don't right. care what your org <laughs> structure is. They've got better is. things to do. But they've got better things to do. And all that they just are, you know, everyone's it's, it, the attention economy or whatever you're saying, everyone's got the goldfish thing. You've just got to capture them, get them and convert them over the line. Right. And so really that's all, that's all you on that inside. And, and the more that right. you can eliminate friction for the customer, the better off you're all going to be. Right. Cause that's, what's going to ultimately drive the value. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and where, and to this point, right, who I think has embraced this concept very, very well are quick service restaurants, right? QSR yeah. brands. And I think they, because during the pandemic, everyone, you know, you really had to go direct. It really forced them to start to think about how all their marketing efforts start to almost coalesce towards one, one end goal. And so, you know, if you see brands like McDonald's, KFC and Burger King, 
going D to C and investing in kind of those lower funnel experiences. And I think that the younger, you know, the younger audiences, right, who also are more active on mobile and social has also forced them to think about kind of all these themes start to blend, right? Like being, building the seamless omni-channel right, um, experience right. across all of it, right? To ultimately drive towards somebody calling a delivery person to bring something over to them or vice versa, right? Them going out and actually picking something up. And so I think, can I, if I can, I'd love to share a couple of examples where I think this has yeah, been done please. really well. The Burger King example was a Burger King example called Delay Your Way. And this I thought was a great one where it was only if you were if you were at an airport, right? It's the worst to travel, you know, during those times. You get delays. <laughs> For anyone that was traveling during the holidays, maybe here in the US, like that was definitely yeah. something that was top of mind. And so what it was doing was if you, I think it was like if you if your delay was 25 minutes, you got like a 25% discount at Burger King, right? And so they were using your individual flight info and delay info to ultimately spit out a deal wow. that was tailored for you based off like your flight delay. Wow, that's great. And so I thought that, yeah, I thought that was like a great one. There's another one that I liked that was called Shift KFC that was done in Saudi Arabia and it was, you know, this is kind of all around the insight. There's a couple here that I think are good. And it's everyone trying to tap into those gaming audiences, right? Speaking of another verse that we need to go into. Right, and, right. Um, and it was, um, and what they did is, I think the insight is gamers, you're so actively gaming, right? You can't use your arms or your hands or anything. People don't even eat. And so the, the shift KFC was around a cheat code where you could actually put that in into your controller and it would auto order KFC for you. Nice. So that's brilliant, right? That's a super, you're like, is that a, is that a brand idea? Is that a CRM idea? Like, I don't really know, right? It's kind of really straddling the lines um, yeah. of both, I think is cool. The U.S. had a similar one here. It was called Hidden Spots from Heinz. And it was, I think it was done with like Call of Duty. Um, one of the, again, one of the, like the big, the bigger gamers and yeah. it was, it found places that you, while playing a game, could go hide so that you could actually pick up food and eat and not get killed in the game. Oh, nice. And so you see, right, it's kind of, yeah, those are like these fun sort of things where you're kind of like, that brings, you're using, you know, some really good insight to really bring, you know, an elevated experience, an experience of value for a customer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I mean, you said it, you know, it's bringing actual value instead of just trying to hawk fast food, you know, to somebody while they're in the middle of something else. It's actually providing value because you're enabling them to keep up with what they're doing while, while offering them something that they want or need, you know, so that, yeah, that's, that's, that's really great. Yeah. And then driving, here's what's really nice, right? Like driving talkability about the brand. Everyone's like, oh my God, this brand is great. It goes viral. It's on Twitter. It's on there. Like what a right. win for marketing team, you know? Absolutely. Well, Miriam, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question uh, before we wrap up here. You've given a lot of great advice already, shared a lot of great ideas and examples but you know what's what's one piece of advice you would have for brands that they know they need to align their tech and creativity for greater customer engagement um, what should they be thinking about what's what's a piece of advice for the months ahead 
my advice, right? So I, my view is that I think creativity is more important now than even five years ago because COVID has accelerated everyone's digital transformation. And so this whole concept that felt big and scary around D to C has sort of calmed down. And when, when everyone kind of has similar or the same technology, what's going to help you stand out is, is creativity. Yeah. And so we talked about it. You can only do that if you really knock down some of the silos in your organization and you start seeing your, you know, broadening and widening what you define and who you define as a part of your creative team. And I think bringing the people into the room that haven't been in the room and no, it's not going to work right away. It's going to be super annoying. There's going to be pain points, right? But you, how do you invest in sort of navigating that in a way that's going to ultimately unlock more value for your brand and start to just make things a little bit easier in terms of your internal ways of working? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Miriam Asmar, VP Strategic Consulting at Braze for joining the show. You can learn more about Merriam and Braze and get a copy of the report discussed in the show by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L strom.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.